Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, in his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, and thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by... OC4 Venture Studio, where I am currently residing today all by myself. Uh, it is a new company building platform for startups here in Orange County, as well as a community around that that we have been building. And look forward to getting back to that uh, after we get to a place where we can be together again. We are uh, doing our best to do it virtually at the time being, but uh, we are working with the next generation of high growth, high tech startups here in Orange County as well as those who want to be a part of that community. So if you're interested, you can go to oc4v.com to learn more. I am really excited to have my new friend, Coach Steve Frenzinger, with me here today. And before we get to hear from Steve and all of his amazing stories and wisdom, let me tell you a quick bit about him. He has been both a successful entrepreneur several times, as well as a longtime executive coach specializing in self-awareness and, as he says, how it can become your X factor for success. He's currently a head coach of the Self-Awareness Mastery Series that he's developed, as well as his own mastermind group, to work with executives and entrepreneurs. And he's been doing this for three decades already, and he's worked with hundreds of successful clients, uh, big companies like Sony, Disney, Broadcom, Oracle, and beyond, as well as entrepreneurs. And along with that, in parallel, he's been the founder of two very successful technology services companies. Uh, He's built and sold those firms. And so he's been there from the humble, and as he would also say, risky beginnings, all the way through the growth phases. Uh, He's written and spoken extensively in many areas around coaching, as well as personal branding, personality type, and how to manage your mindset. He was Previously, a very successful angel investor and was part of Tech Coast Angels, and I've had some other folks from Tech Coast Angels on the show previously. Steve is even a member of their Hall of Fame with his amazing track record of investing. And his superpower, as he says, it starts with picking the right jockey. So we will talk about that today as well. And then finally, we, I mentioned personality type as something that Steve has a lot of experience in, and it's also an area that I've had a tremendous amount of interest in for a long time and have used in uh, some of my businesses. So we have uh, some things to talk about around that today, and he's done a lot of work mapping things like Myers-Briggs and DISC together. Steve, it is so good to have you here and really look forward to the conversation today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that uh, introduction. And I want to start out by saying I'm really impressed with what you're doing at the OC4 studio. Uh, well, we thank you. More, we need more of that. And uh, even though I'm less active, having, um, having retired, I certainly can give you my opinion on what you're doing. And I'm, I'm very impressed. Well, appreciate it. And uh, as we say here, uh, building companies is a team sport. And so we, uh, we really try to bring that teamwork to that process as best we can. So let's talk about uh, coaching. You have been a coach for a long time. How did you get started in that? 
Well, it was actually quite by accident. I'm really kind of a propeller head researcher and I used to love to dig into topics and, and I make these discoveries. And for some reason I felt very compelled to share that information. So I would, I would send my discoveries out uh, in articles or newsletters or in various things. And, um, and that, that sort of led uh, to some, you know, notoriety around the fact that I, you know, would share all this information. So as my, it was typically around technology issues, but as I started to wander into mm -hmm. self-help and self-development, uh, people started to see me as a coach. And, and so quite accidentally, I became a coach. And, and to be a coach, I think you have to be willing to confidently share information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what is it about coaching that you most enjoy? Well, coaching is like teaching. You know, if you ask a teacher what makes their day, and it's, they'll say that it's when their students are able to apply what you've taught them mm -hmm. to some success. So I'm a, I'm a big goosebump guy. You know, I like, I'm into goosebumps. <laughs> and I've had it enough now that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm hooked, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I love to share, and I'm not afraid to share both good and bad news it's, it's just all feedback, you know, I'm in the feedback business. Sure. So, uh, so I enjoy doing that. It's been very, it's been just tremendous, tremendous fun. So plus the other thing, just quickly uh, story wise that, you know, when you share information, people begin to associate you with that information. So, mm -hmm. so when they think about, Oh yeah, you know, that was a great discovery. Yeah. Steve told me about that. So keep in mind that sharing information, Carrie, like if I were to send you, an article on uh, incubators that you hadn't seen before, you'd appreciate it. And uh, over time you'd say, guy, this guy sends me vetted stuff, you know? So just, just a little heads up if, if coaching is what you want to do. And, and if you're doing that already, you're, you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great point. And I think that that's also even instructive for people that maybe aren't ready to be coaches <laughs> that, you can really build some good relationship capital and credibility by sharing information with people. And to your yeah. point, you know, a way to stand out and be memorable. Yeah. You don't become a coach overnight. It's, That's right. it's sort of an evolution. And then one day there's this aha moment where mm -hmm. people see you that way. So um, yeah, so I just say, keep sharing and something magical will happen. <laughs> I think, I think that's a great point. And, and that time aspect, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's like wisdom. Uh, you know, we, we think we have a lot of it. I have three, three kids, a couple of them are teenagers right now, and they think they're particularly wise. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the running story in my house is, uh, you know, when I ask them, you know, how much does dad know? And they say nothing. And then the follow-up to that is, how much do we know? And they say, less than dad. So it's all, it's all sort of relative uh, to some extent uh, in, in that regard, right? So are there coaches that were really influential to you early in life that, that sort of, in, you know, led you to go, huh, that, you know, or, or as you reflected back, were there, were there ones that, that you remember maybe formally or not even formally that, that had a big influence? <clears throat> You know, it's funny, my, I think back, my grandfather was a wise old man, and he, mm. he used to share some interesting 
things with me. But I think, you know, for sort of more current day names that people would remember, I'd say probably Napoleon Hill mm-hmm. with Think and Grow Rich was probably the, the mm-hmm. first real aha moment that I had. And um, um, Carl Jung and his work in uh, psychological typology, which is essentially personality mm-hmm. testing, really caught my attention. I, I, I like psychology and I really enjoyed his his work. And then from there, it kind of moves into the more familiar names like, you know, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle and Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. They're all lovely. They're just in, wonderfully interesting. And, and I love to read them and sort of, I think I can't apply everything they've taught me, but it, it's kind of fun to go through and see what, um, what they're saying and how it applies you know, to mm-hmm. my life or how it might apply to somebody else's sure. life. Yeah, it's really, really good, uh, really good perspective there. So you mentioned earlier, I just picked up on this, that, you know, a lot of this is about feedback. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you, you've done, I believe, has been one-on-one scenarios. Right. And, you know, as you think about people's openness or ability mm-hmm. to, to hear feedback, and you mentioned both positive and negative. Right. How have you adjusted your approach to coaching and or feedback based on that person sitting across the the table from you? Well, first off, I've had to convince people that you want feedback Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. basically 95% of all feedback is either good or fixable. Mm -hmm. You know, my decades of experience are that, you know, you're going to learn you're going to confirm a strength in feedback. You're going to learn uh, maybe about a strength you didn't know you had, mm. and you're going to hear some bad stuff. You're going to learn you're a micromanager or you don't give your employees enough information to do their job or mm-hmm. you're a, or you're, a, you're abrasive and, and sure. uh, aggressive and stuff. But these are all, these are all fixable things. You know, uh, feedback to be valuable has to fit three characteristics. It has to be comprehensive. Nobody can say you're a jerk. You know, why am I a jerk? You got to figure it out. It has to be timely. People can't say, Hey, last month you did this. What do you mean last month? You know, Mm -hmm. tell me something current and it has to be actionable. And, and again, 95% of what you're going to hear is going to be fixable. The other stuff is, Mm -hmm. is just sort of reality and you have to have to kind of deal with it. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, there's a great story here. I, I just have to share. I mean, I was 18 years old and, and out of high school. I wasn't a particularly good student and I was working at a car wash and some of my friends said, Hey, Steve, let's, we're going to go take an intelligence test at the school. So I went with them and, you know, I had never done this before. So I, I took this test. And after the test, the lady that administered it called me up and said, Steve, you did remarkably well. She said, you're actually the first one to ever ace our abstract comprehension test. And I said, really? I said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, this is a long time ago. So, you know, and I'm, I'm like I said, not a good student. I'm not used to somebody telling me I'm smart. You know, I was always a good athlete, but I was, nobody ever told me I was smart. So she, she said, you really need to look into this. And I said, well, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. She said, well, it's one of our filters for jobs in engineering and technology. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of a programmer's profile. She said, you really should look into it. And I said, well, gosh, you know, so I ended up, I ended up, finding a trade school that was teaching programming, which back then wasn't all that popular. 
Well, I went in and I aced the class and the teacher said, holy crap, you're good. And so he called his, uh, his buddies over a local aerospace company that was mm -hmm. desperate for programmers. And I went over there and I got a job. So over a three month span, well, maybe four months, I went from an 18 year old working at a car wash to a salaried employee at a major aerospace company making more money than my parents. Oh, and, all, and all because somebody gave me some feedback and I had no idea, no idea. Change, yeah. change the course of my entire life. Yeah, the that's, of my entire that's an amazing, amazing story. Amazing story. So coaching is, is something we absolutely, you know, have a meeting of the minds on. I mean, we at OC4, one of our four C's is coaching. And we really look for that coachable, growth-minded entrepreneur. And, and we believe that, you know, mm -hmm. and you've seen this, you know, many founders don't have that coachability and therefore they may not grow as the company does. And that maybe the company outgrows them or they hold the company back or whatever that may be. And so the, those growth-minded folks, we just find to be, more willing to take that feedback, uh, more willing to think about this as a team sport, that to go from one person to five people to 500 people is a journey and mm -hmm. is going to require everyone to adjust. So as you particularly think about entrepreneurs, how do you think about that coachability or, or ability to have feedback? Because as you know, a lot of founders have that, that gene of, hey, I know exactly where I need to go. Get out of my way and just let me go do it. Yeah, that's kind of a, a paradox when I, you know, when I uh, first got into investing, I realized a lot of these people were terribly confident about what they're mm -hmm. doing. But the reality is everybody needs a coach. I mean, you look at professional athletes have coaches. Mm -hmm. um, God, there's a great short video out on the net uh, showing uh, Bill Gates and Eric Schmidt of Google talking about the fact that they have coaches. And mm -hmm. you know, Eric Schmidt made the point, he says, we simply don't see ourselves as other people do. We all need a coach. So if you think you don't need a coach, mm -hmm. you're wrong. You're simply, simply wrong. And I, I would never invest in a company that it, if it was obvious to me that somebody was uncoachable. Mm -hmm. That's a, a great point. So let, you know, transition there, you obviously had a great track record as an investor. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, you really had this bet on the jockey uh, type of approach as a, as a key part of your strategy. So anything more you would share there about what you really figured out? Because obviously um, the results speak for themselves. You, you definitely uh, had a good eye, if you will. Yeah, it was funny. I think back almost 20 years ago when I got into this, I had sold a business, had a little money and time, and I wanted to become an investor. And I started going to Tech Host Angels. Mm -hmm. you know, Louis Villalobos had started Tech Host Angels. And you'd go to these screenings and just one smart sounding person after another would get up there and pitch a deal. And I was just, I, I, I was overloaded. I said, holy mackerel, I, I need a filter. So I think back to my own businesses. I, I was really good at matching talent to task. I had really, I had mastered assessing piece, people's personality type. I didn't even have to give them a test. I could just meet them and instantly know how they were wired. And, and you know, I had hired a thousand, almost, well, just over a thousand people in my career. So it's good sample size. 
Yeah, it's a good sample size. So I had a real good feel for matching talent to task. So I said to myself, well, what, you know, what could I do to apply what I know? And that was picking people. So I, I went out and said, okay, who were the most successful entrepreneurs of our time? And I said, well, we got Bill Gates and we got Steve Jobs and we got Larry Ellison and we got some others. And I'd, I'd spent some time and I did some analysis on them and it became very obvious that they were all intuitive thinkers. Now, intu intuition and thinking are the two middle letters in the four letter um, Myers-Briggs notation. The, the, the second letter, intuition, is how the mind uh, gathers data. It either gather, gathers it as a sensate, which is a five senses, or it gathers it as the sixth sense, or sort of that gut intuition. And then the mind, when it processes that data, it, it processes either with a, a preference toward thinking, which is logical and analytical, or it processes it with a preference toward uh, a feeler, which is you know, caring and sensitive. So it became very obvious that all of these people, you know, some were introverts, some were extrovert, but they were all um, intuitive thinkers. So I said to myself, okay, that's gonna be my first filter. And then after that, I, you know, I had a list of other things and how to make sense or how to be market and all that. And, and over time, I sort of adopted uh, Bill Gross's Idea Labs list of, of things. Um, but I, I, and it took a long time to validate my, my thinking, you know, because I picked Steve Street at, um, Green, at Dot. Green Dot and I made some other choices. And 10 years later, you know, Green Dot's paying me 100x, Blue Beam's paying me 20x, and mm -hmm. everybody's looking at me going, what the hell? You know, what are you doing? I said, well, <laughs> I just applied a filter that gave me mm -hmm. some sanity because I just was blown away. I was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, I was just overwhelmed with it all. Matter of fact, there's, uh, we had a 20x payoff last year at Parcel Pending. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get a I've chance had Lori, to- I've had Lori on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, then you she, know. Well, just just use her as a model. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I said the moment I met her, I said, "Oh, I would." Yeah, I like. Well, you. yeah. I mean, yeah. I met I met her. She was instantly mm -hmm. the person that that I would back, and plus, she was a subject matter expert. Sure. Um, she had a her model was a little. I was a little worried about the, the model. It was a little complex. A lot of hardware and software. A lot mm -hmm. of people here and there, but. She was a, a J. She was an ENTJ. The J on the end is very, very structured and organized. Mm -hmm. And I had a sense mm -hmm. that, you know, she had managed all these apartment buildings mm -hmm. and, you know, for, um, I forget who. Irvine was, Company. Ir yeah, Irvine yeah. Company. So, so I just, I backed her and here she is, you know, four mm -hmm. and a half years later paying me, you know, 20X. I mean, for every, I think it was for every 10 grand you put in, she gave you 200. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's it. So that's a that's just a great example. But, mm -hmm. but as I tell you that, part of me, part of me says, I you know that's not the only criteria. I mean, it certainly sure. improves the chances of success. And I, I did look at you know if if the team had what I call the C factor. The C factor was the collective type. Mm. If I saw that there were two strong leaders and they met my requirement collectively. Uh, there were times I I bet on that as well. So, okay. but in either case, it was um, yeah, it was just my way of of feeling good about the deal of, of mm -hmm. picking. You know, so. Yeah. Did you actually have people take personality 
tests? No, never, never. So it was all just, you had such a good fact pattern of oh, yeah. well, it's so, history that yeah, you could, if yeah. If you do it, if you do this for 30 years, it gets yeah. it's like anything, it gets pretty easy. So yeah. plus yeah. I, over time, I, you know, one of the reasons I like Myers-Briggs so well is that I, I'm a computer guy. So I see everything in computer terms. Every, everybody's a computer to me. <laughs> so when I look at Myers-Briggs, it, it, I, I think of the computer. I mean, I mm -hmm. think of the, you know, it has four letters. Mm -hmm. The first letter tells me where you get your energy, mm -hmm. either internally or mm -hmm. externally. Yep. The next letter tells me how your brain gathers data, either through the mm -hmm. five senses or the sixth sense. Mm -hmm. The third letter tells me how you process that data, either leaning thinker or feeler. And the last character is how you output. It's sort of an input, out, input mm -hmm. process output. So you either output it in a very flexible, spontaneous way, which is perceiving, mm -hmm. or you put it out in a very structured and organized fashion. So, I mean, I've been able to teach Myers-Briggs by just putting up, sure. uh, using that metaphor, because for some reason that model, unlike DISC and others, doesn't really have a high-level diagram that makes any sense. So, mm -hmm. But just that model I, I gave you, you could... You literally, mm -hmm. when you meet somebody, you say, okay, well, where did you sure. get their energy? And the first and third letters are, are the easiest. They're the most behavioral. Yes. So it's easy to spot. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Mm -hmm. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Are you a thinker or a feeler? That's kind of easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the others are, are somewhat obvious over time. But when you first meet somebody, you just need the first and third letters. If you met me and said, oh, this guy's kind of a reserved thinker, you know all you need to know to have a great conversation with me. You know, so... Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I never gave anybody a test. I just, you know, ran them through my real simple process and it worked 90% of the time. So. Sure. Yeah, that, that totally, totally makes sense. As somebody who's, you know, I've got my Myers-Briggs on my LinkedIn profile. So it's out there for the, the yeah, world to see, which probably also speaks to who I am a little bit too, right? Well, yeah, it, actually, it's, it's funny. That's a, it's a big thing now. I wrote a, uh, I did a post on LinkedIn that generated a lot of conversation because I was recommending that resumes, you should tell people what your mm -hmm. Myers-Briggs yeah. and your yeah. DISC is because that's a question they want to ask. And, you know, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. PC or whatever that keeps people from asking, a lot of HR departments don't like to sure. you know, decline people because of the way they're wired. But I mean, it's really, it's who would not want to have that insight? It just, right. just drives, drives me crazy. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, let's, let's go a little deeper into that. What, what is it? I mean, you talked about your ability to match uh, talent to task. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you think about personality and, and, and even, you know, to some extent, sort of natural behavioral tendencies mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to people and teams in, in the workplace? Well, first off, you have to understand that personality typing, and we'll stick with Myers-Briggs as an mm -hmm. example, is they're all really, they're all methods of categorizing behavior into buckets, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you can understand, and each of these four buckets, like in Myers-Briggs, has, you know, two alternatives. It has mm -hmm. two, two opposing uh, preferences. So if you, can, if you can understand where you fit in each bucket, it tells you a lot about what you're wired for success. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like when I figured out that I abstract comprehension, yeah. that I was wired like a programmer. So... Mm -hmm logic and analytics were kind of that came really really easy to me 
But one of the one of the misconceptions in personality is you got to understand the difference between a trait and a and a skill. Mm-hmm. A skill is something you learn. It's like you become good at accounting because yes. you have a degree in accounting. Whereas mm-hmm. a trait is is what these core mental models is looking for, and these are more core attributes that stay with you most of your life. You know, mm-hmm. whether you're a reserved mm-hmm. person like me or a uh, or a thinker or a feeler, these are kinds of things that sort of hang with you, and that's really what what they what they are. And and it's funny, most people when they look, they say, "Well, you know, I'm a I'm a thinker, but sometimes I'm a feeler and this kind of stuff." But you got to remember, all of these tests are they work on the concept of a preference. Okay? Mm-hmm. A preference means that you do this more than you do that. That's right. It could be fifty one percent of the time, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, there's a great there's a great sort of a example and we have two hands if you're right-handed that's your preference you use it more you feel better about it mm-hmm. it's your go-to hand it doesn't mean you can't use your left hand it's right. just you use this one more so you're better at it and if you're you know if you're in the bar and somebody wants to bet on you whether you could throw darts better with your right hand or your mm-hmm. left hand you'd say well is he right-handed and you'd, you'd bet on my right hand right mm-hmm. because I have greater control but I could get lucky and do something sure. with my left hand so I think you have to accept the preference. You know, a lot of people will take this test and they say, oh, well, gosh, I do both of these. Yeah, but you're always going to do one more than the mm-hmm. other. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, even if I were ambidextrous and I could use either hand, I'll bet you when you're in the bar, you're picking up your beer with one hand mm-hmm. more than the other. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's just that's the concept of a preference, I think, because it's not, it, it's not, uh, it, you're not exclusively picking something. So I think that's conceptually people have sure. to understand that that's, that's just what you do more than you do the other. Sure. So, so you, we, I talked a little bit, you know, you're really big on, you know, and you even call it the X factor, this whole notion of self-awareness. <laughs> so part of this starts with even understanding those preferences because not everybody does. So as you've gone through and helped people with the assessment part, and then probably some amount of navigating the results, Yeah. Um, talk about scenarios where people really had no idea what their preferences were. And these were getting revealed to them for the first time. And it it almost was uh, surprising. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, it really is a good point. I, you know, I interview a lot of very successful people. I, you know, one of my tricks for getting published was, you know, I submitted all these articles and I kept getting Mm -hmm. turned down and turned down. It wasn't until I realized if I interview somebody with a bigger name than mine (laughs) and quoted them, they would put me, um, they'd put me in there. But when I started my, I started one of my businesses and I, and I, things were really going well and I didn't really, I didn't know if I was lucky or good. If you ask me what I was good at, I'd say, I think this, or I think that. <clears throat> so after I took my first Myers-Briggs test and it absolutely confirmed that I was wired for success in my business, holy mackerel, everything changed. I mean, I stood taller, my handshake was firmer, my eye contact was better, my voice was deeper, my friends would go, what in the hell happened to you? <laughs> so I call that going from thinking to knowing. You know, mm. when, you, when you think something, you're tentative. When you know it, you have what's called certainty. Mm-hmm. And certainty is an X factor. When I would walk into a room and do a presentation or I would meet somebody, you know, certainty almost, if you want, if you want to know what presence is, you know, if, if somebody says, oh, that person has, there's something about that person, they have presence, you know, 
Well, let me tell you, presence is certainty because certainty mm. is reflected in body language. Mm. You say so much in your body language. And if, and if you're standing up tall and you're looking people in the eye, believe me, everybody's going, whoa, who is that guy? Or who is mm -hmm. that gal? Mm -hmm. So at, at a minimum, these tests are going to give you that certainty. That's why I see them as, um, as an X factor, although I need to make the point that the personality test is just one aspect sure. of Absolutely. Of, of self-awareness. And just to point that out that, you know, intelligent tests and personality tests and skills tests help you understand what you're who you are and what you're good at. But there's also what everybody else sees. Sure. So there's the other side of self-awareness because other people may not see you like you see mm -hmm. you. And, and over time, I found that, just, you know, they may see, you know, there may be noise in the channel, like you may be overly aggressive or you may be violating people's personal space. There could be things you're doing that keep them from appreciating what you're good at. So, mm -hmm. so personality is one piece of the, big, the grander scheme of self-awareness, which has uh, multiple elements to it. Sure. That, that all makes a ton of sense. So let's, let's apply that to kind of our current environment, right? So we're, we're talking right now in the middle of um, one of the, certainly uh, one of the biggest crises, uh, uh, you know, depending on how you look at it uh, in a long, long time. And I would say from a job standpoint, we've seen unemployment claims at record highs the last two weeks. I think it'll probably be again the same this week. So a lot of people are going to be looking for new opportunities, new jobs. Mm -hmm. How do you think about self-awareness in, in the lens of uh, helping people who may have to find very different new jobs than what they've had for the last decade or two? Okay. So I sort of hear two questions mm -hmm. in there. One, you know, sort of how do you deal with what's happening today? Yes. And if you had to make a change, what would you do? So when it comes to dealing, you know, for me, I, I've just, I'm old enough to have been through, you know, half a dozen crises and, and, um, uh, you know, I just know with great confidence that we're going to get through this. I'm yes. a big believer in American ingenuity and we're going to have vaccines and we're going to, so, so I'm very confident of that. But I think the big issue is you have to understand that, that, you know, um, if you're constantly reminding yourself that that it's a bad situation and it's this and that, you're going to drive yourself crazy. That's self-talk. If your if your voice is saying, "Oh my God, we're screwed. This we're messed up," mm -hmm. you know, we got to look at sort of the Eckhart Tolle uh, version of sort of separating yourself from your mind and and trying to set it aside. Your mind is a great tool for the for for dealing with the past and the future. But you can, the only way to shut it up is for you to be in the moment. Because when you're, when you're in the moment, your mind is quiet. It's not talking to you. So, you know, and a lot of times I sort of use this analogy. I sort of reach into my head and you sort of pull your mind out and say, mm -hmm. okay, here it is. Now, I'm only going to go to my mind when I need to deal with the past and the future. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you my attention. So, because when I'm in the moment the mind doesn't have, can't sit there and remind me endlessly about mm -hmm. negative bullshit that's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bottom line is it is what it is. We got to deal with it. I don't have to be reminded of this a hundred times a day. So you know, just to not ramble on, but say the number one way to quiet your mind, proven number one way is to 
listen, listen, L-I-S-T-E-N. If you listen intently, whether it's somebody speaking or whether it's the sounds of nature around you, or even if it's in a quiet room and all you're listening to is you're breathing in and out and in and out. If you want to shut that voice up, absolutely give something your full attention. Hmm. Now, I mean, there are other, there are other techniques and I write about that and you can tell it to shut the F up and stuff. But Mm -hmm. the reality is if it's separate from you, you can look at it and take control over it. But just that, that would be my tip. If you ever want to quiet your mind, get yourself in a completely listen and listen intently to something of interest or something that has you engaged. Matter of fact, the, the biggest compliment you can pay to anybody is to listen to them. Yes. I mean, if you want to, if you want to have a bad inter, if you want to have a bad interaction with somebody, look, have them, have them look you right in the eye and have them say, well, what do you think? And you say about what, you know? <laughs> And then you have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I miss it. Well, what do you mean you miss it? I just said it to your face. Well, where were you? Well, you were in your head mm-hmm. talking to yourself. Because when you're in your head, all of your senses go dead. Mm-hmm. You don't hear as well. You don't see as well. If you have intuition, it's dead. You get off the wrong uh, ramp on the freeway. You mm-hmm. get off the wrong elevator floor. You know, it's, you're, you're, you're sort of lost in space. Get present. Get present. Get control of that voice. Mm-hmm and you'll be able to deal with stress. Now, so with that said, if you are gonna make a change, wouldn't it make sense that you do something that you're good at? So if you can do these assessments and understand where you have natural strengths and natural talent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gary, if you listen to any of Gary V's, Gary Vaynerchuk's talk, he, uh, Vaynerchuk, he talks constantly about self-awareness. He said, hey man, get self-aware, get that feedback and then find out what you're good at and then go all in. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to chase something, make sure that you have some core talent to get there. Can you get there without talent? Maybe you might get lucky, uh, but I also find you might get there and you might not be able to stay there. You know, it's one thing to to gain uh, success. It's another maintain. It's kind of like a one hit wonder Mm -hmm. on the radio. Mm -hmm. Hey, they got lucky but they couldn't stay there. So yes, I mean, I wouldn't, I I, I would never make a change without reflecting on my, the current state of my strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I think all the, so much value in those last couple minutes, Steve, thank you for sharing all of that. So we've got a couple more minutes left here. Um, You, you have been a sustained successful entrepreneur here in Orange County. Uh, You've done it multiple times. What, what do you think of Orange County as a place to be an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, I, I moved down here in 19, God, when was that? 1990, 91. Yeah. The bottom line is I moved into Orange County from up in the San Fernando Valley and absolutely fell in love with it. It just, there was just something about Orange County, you know, being wedged in between, LA and OC and and I just found you know the universities were brimming with with talent mm-hmm. uh, Louis Villalobos had started Tech Coast Angels so I I had a real good sense that I was in a that I was in a good place so I was uh, I was very I was very pleased and but I'll admit my early days in in TCA were kind of tough because we were really tough on entrepreneurs it's almost like it was in the screenings. It was like our job to make them not be able to answer questions. I actually I almost quit. I came stumped, very close to stump the founder. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was, it, it, it actually pissed me off. I almost quit because I couldn't stand what we were doing. Mm. We were literally destroying them. So, so as things have changed with the Cove fund mm-hmm. and with you and stuff, there's, there's, there's more of a, Hey, you got a great idea. It may take some, it may take some time to make it work. But I, I think that Orange County is becoming a very great place to nurture the ideas. Mm. Um, the challenges I think have been sort of the connection to the higher levels of financing, mm-hmm. you know, green dot, when we got into green dot, they were, they were kind of the first deal where we were able to, I think we got Sequoia involved and, and stuff, but I just, I've been a little disappointed with our connection to the, to the higher levels of follow on Mm -hmm. financing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing we have to figure out some way to, to highlight what it is that, that we have in Orange County, because it's a wonderful place. It's evolved. I love being here. Uh, but we, there are a couple of things we have to address and I'm really pleased with what you're doing because you're addressing a good, good segment of that. Well, and I think you highlight, I mean, I think you highlight some of the challenges very, very accurately. And, and, you know, in our view is we're not the answer, we're an answer and we probably need a number of uh, groups like this. And I, and I think there's a more of a camaraderie (laughs) and desire to work together, uh, certainly now Mm -hmm. than I've seen in my time here. Mm -hmm. And so that gives me a lot of optimism and hope is mm-hmm. we can raise the collective capability and intelligence of a whole generation, hopefully by working mm-hmm. better together. And I think there is a strong, the strong belief of we are better together. Yeah. I also think it, it, it probably would change my view too of being so hard core on the jockey because I mean, if the jockey is coachable and has, mm-hmm. you know, most of what you need, and you can put them in an environment where they have coaching and they are coachable, I think there's a far greater chance you can um, succeed because I don't, you know, I don't want to be telling everybody you'll never make it unless you're an intuitive thinker. But I think you've made it easier to be successful through this collaborative, uh, collaborative approach. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, one of my final lap uh, questions always is, to share a final piece of advice or key lesson that you've learned along the way. So if you were going to leave a, a final, you've, you've certainly shared a tremendous amount already, but final piece of advice you'd have to other entrepreneurs here who are trying to do it here in Orange County. That's a, <laughs> it's a great question, but I, I do get it. I do get it from time to time. And I, um, you know, like sort of what's the number one thing mm-hmm. I want you to know I would say after decades and hundreds of clients and big, big name people at big companies, it's amazing to me that everybody, all of us, we have blind spots. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, there's just stuff we don't see, you know, whether it's a blind spot, which is something we don't see, or if it's baggage, which is stuff we know, but we just can't figure out how to fix it. Um, so you, you really have to find some, some feedback mechanism, either make the people around you comfortable enough to, mm-hmm. to tell you both good and bad things. Hey boss, great speech today, but I don't know what that, none of us know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know, there's gotta, there's gotta be a safe space for that, or you can run a, you know, an yep. anonymous 360 survey, which, you know, I've done dozens and dozens of those. So I think, um, I think that's probably it. Just recognize that we're all imperfect mm-hmm. and uh, self-awareness. is. So, you know, in summary, the bottom line is that 
we all have blind spots, stuff we don't know. We all have baggage, which is stuff we know, but we haven't been able to fix. So we have to be open to this feedback. Because remember, feedback is it's 95% good or fixable. Mm -hmm. and, and without it, you're, you're going to be running a race carrying a couple of 20-pound barbells, and, and that's just not good. So if you want to clear the path to success, just be very, very open to feedback. And the only thing you can say to somebody that gives you the honest truth is, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that right there is great advice because I, uh, I often find in some of the conversations I have, particularly with founders, it's, it's more important for them to convince me that they're right <clears throat> than to take the feedback uh, and, and just appreciate that for what it is. And I, I'm guilty of that as well. I know that I, I you know, I, Often when I hear what I necessarily don't want, I want to try to focus on, I need to convince this person. So that, that I think just taking it back and processing it, uh, is, that's, that's great advice. So you are actively taking coaching clients, right? People can find yes. you at coachstevep.com. Uh, so Absolutely. Okay. Well, I uh, wanted to share that with everybody. And obviously you're active on, LinkedIn. And uh, I'm always happy to make the, the connection from my audience to you as well. So Steve, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I think that there will be ongoing conversations as certainly we will no doubt have coaching and other stories to share uh, along the way. And I, I want to dig deeper into your investing track record, of course, because mm. Uh, I haven't been doing it nearly as long. Uh, I have about 15 years under my belt, but uh, would certainly love to to get a, you know deeper into that and think about how we might be able to apply some of those things here at, at OC4V. So mm -hmm. thank you for taking us on this ride, for sharing all of your experiences and stories, and I think for highlighting how important it is for all of us to be more in touch with who we are, what we're good at, and how we can continue to grow uh, as we go through life. And I think those are the things that will truly continue to accelerate Orange County. So thank you for doing your part. My pleasure. Thank you. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together.